This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. Welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are broadcasting from the Peach State Brew Off here in beautiful Tucker, Georgia today. Homebrew competition. We're going to talk and learn all things homebrew. I'm Tim Dennis. With me, as always, my good friend, co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So, yes, the Peach State Brew Off, it's a big homebrew competition here in Atlanta. And uh, we are going to talk everything homebrew, everything about submitting your homebrews to a competition, what you need to do, what, how you should even judge a beer. And we're sitting here with Scott Lathrop. Scott, how's it going? Uh, I'm adequate. Adequate. Sometimes it has to do, right? Yeah. Well, okay, it's, adequate. It's in the middle. It, it, yeah. Because you say that's so good, then you got to explain to people right. why. I don't want to ruin their life. Yeah. And I don't want to say I'm doing great and lying to you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Because when someone says, how you doing, especially here in America, we don't we don't really mean it. We're saying hello. Yeah. Right? Doing fine. Yeah, but doing I have to be fine. honest. That's good. Say great that. because you're faking it until you make it. So you say great until you aren't Adequate. great. <laughs> I am I am tolerable at this time. Well, Scott, homebrew man, you've been how long have you been in homebrewing? I want to say since 2004, 2005. I guess about a decade longer than you and I got into it. Yeah, right? We were for around sure, 2014 yeah. for us. But, uh, 13, 14, yeah. yeah. And I know we chatted before we went on the air here. You said just, just life in general, not brewing quite as much. But uh, I think you said you're looking forward to retiring soon and maybe brewing some more. Huh? Yeah, on top of sleeping in. So, yes, yeah. right after that. start at, Get brewing at the crack of noon. Exactly. How many in, in all of this time, do you know an exact number of how many batches you've brewed or do you have a rough idea? Because I couldn't tell you. We we didn't brew nearly as much as some people have. I have no idea, actually, how many beers we brewed. We brewed probably six to seven of ten out weekends yes. for probably four solid years. Yeah, about that. So, yeah. I'd say for us, probably 30 beers a year for 100. Maybe 100. We might have done 100. How about you, man? Any guesstimate? I didn't ever count. Just brewed, huh? I mean, you go look at my untapped and see all the different beers I have in there that I've brewed. So Okay. And a lot of ours were just repeats of beers we liked anyhow. That's so. a fair point because we did check in a lot of our beers to mm-hmm. untapped and yeah. added the the label art and everything. Yeah. So yeah. that would be a good way of, of keeping count, though. I don't I don't know that everything actually got uh, checked in there. And some some things we rebrewed a few times. I know we the Saison several yes. times. A lot of batches of the same kind of meads, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, Brian, this competition is the first place the Peach State Brew Off is the first place we ever won a medal for one of our beers. Is that right? I actually I wouldn't have been yeah. able to tell you that either, but that's yeah, cool. Which that's one facts. was that? I may have judged it. That was probably Synesthesia Saison because that was the first one we were proud enough to get into home okay. pre-competition. So it was probably a Saison, a like, variant, that or a variant. Of 2013 it. maybe? 2012? Was it 14? Yeah. Okay. okay. But uh, Scott, this is, I don't know if sponsored is the right word, sanctioned by Covert Hops yes. or uh, Covert Hops. Organized. Organized by Covert Hops. And Covert Hops is a homebrew co- club here in Atlanta area. What is a homebrew club about? Uh, you know, it varies from club to club, but ours generally is, you know, people who like the homebrew get together, share ideas, share beers, 
Uh, we have a uh, club has a one and a half barrel uh, brew system. Okay. That we get together and do group brews from time to time. In fact, uh, two beers from the last group brew are here on tap for the people's choice. Uh, and then we try to do other things. Nothing charitable or anything like that. Of course not, right? Yeah, no, we wouldn't no want to do that. that. I mean, you know, we have a, a, a summer picnic, a year and holiday party. We try to do some, some, some other learning. We have a class on water and sure. It's been a while educational yeah, stuff I and mean, that, right? We're not super technical, but we do have a lot of super technical people in the club. So if you have Correct, questions, right? they'll answer them. Yeah, that was one thing that I enjoyed when when we were more into homebrewing and we joined in the clubs and that. And y'all, if you can hear anybody in the background, we've been here for a little while today at the competition, and no one else has been talking. But of course, the timing on things. Oh, yeah. Right as we get started recording, they get started as well. So hopefully announcing you can hear winners us and things like there. that. But uh, we had people in our we had people in our club as well that you know scientists and just they would do the water chemistry and it's great to have those friends around when you do have questions. Uh, to get to get those answered, we contribute our knowledge based on things we had learned as well. But uh, just a good resource and a lot of fun to get together with some friends and have some beers. Yeah, I mean we're, we're fortunate because one of the guys in the club is super technical, and he's you know ain't a retentive about it, but in a good way. Sure, and, uh, he's gone on now. He's the head brewer at Twain's. You're talking about Mike Mike yeah. Castano, oh, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, now he was actually a a scientist prior yeah. to going into brewing professionally, right? Yeah, and I have a nickname for him because back when we had the Yahoo Can you say it on the air? Yeah. Okay, all right. When we had the Yahoo group that was active, people would write, ask a question. Everyone would do like one or two sentences. We might keep you five paragraphs. There you go. And Get the details out there, right? I refer to it as five paragraph Mike. Five paragraph Mike. But now known as 5P. Well, you do have to have an intro and a conclusion for your thesis and then some three arguments for it. So it adds up, Tim. It adds up. Well, I mean, he's just he's passionate about it. And if you ever have his beers or twain, you understand. I mean, I've yet to have a beer from him that's failed in any way. Yeah. If I don't he like it. He probably wouldn't put it on tap if that happened to true. him, right? And if I don't like it, it's because I don't like the style. Okay. Fair enough. Now, with uh, with homebrew competitions in that, what is, what's the purpose of a homebrew competition other than just uh, it's, it's, fancy it's, hardware? It's, it's multi-pronged. One, like this one, you, you try to get honest feedback. Because everything's anonymous. When you're judging a beer, you don't know whose it is. And so you send it off. You hope to get anonymous, you know, honest feedback from it. The other one is if you can win some medals and parade around your neighborhood with your medals, that's theirs also. And I think the other thing is just we get together and have a good time doing it. Of course. Of course. And how long has Pete State Brew Off been going on? This is our 30th. 30th. Yeah. Okay. Good long time then, huh? That's I knew it was the oldest, but I didn't know I didn't realize it'd been running quite that long. Yeah. So how is the like compared to a lot of people like to do this pre-pandemic to now attendance wise? Have you noticed has there been a shift in the people yeah, showing up or the number of people it, showing it's up? It's dropped off since. Has it? Because we opened to 450 entries and well, we had 310 paid. Oh, really? Okay. Because uh, so. usually, yeah, I, I remember this being one that filled up pretty quickly. And it was, you yeah, didn't get your entry in, you're just, you're out of luck, basically, in a timely manner. Well, Tim, I think it must be time for the beers of the week. 
Brian, as always, we've got a lot of good beers. Homebrew. Homebrew this week, Brian, we've got in. As I mentioned, I am drinking Eric's Brown. And I think, Scott, you mentioned this is one from your club brew system, yeah, right? Brew, yeah, the fall well, brew. Do you, do you know, can you tell me about this particular beer? Uh, I think the recipe's out there on the internet somewhere. Okay. Brew, but it's just a basic brown. Your basic brown yeah, now, right? Brown, 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 I mean, it's not very hoppy, so it's not an American yeah. brown. But Which I'm okay with. That's my preference. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. my preference. So I'm good with that. We also have one over here, Cloudy with a Chance of Amaze Balls, which I believe is a Northeast IPA. We have uh, for this, Brian, I can't read your handwriting. What's that? You tell the beers of the week. It's for the people. It's something Mango Habanero. I'm not, we didn't quite, uh, we weren't able to tell exactly what it is. The the Cloudy with a Chance of Amaze Balls is an IPA, and I think it uses cryo hops maybe, or that might be another one, but it is quite good. We also have the Passion of Brian, a passion fruit cider by Bill Boyer, in fact. Bill Boyer. So we've talked to him before. The show. And it, the Brian has nothing to do with me. And uh, again, the Eric's Brown. So that's what we're looking at in Actually, terms. I think you misspelled that. I think it's supposed to be brain. The uh, Passion of the Brain. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Passion of the Brain. <laughs> you know, I'm used to people know. misspelling my name as brain. So this time around, it would be funny if it were the other way around. But you're actually right because we discussed it because these are inspired by yes. uh, the movie. Uh, the, uh, the Life of Life Brian. Of Brian. Yeah. A Monty, so, it's Monty Python. It's a Monty Python. Right? Python. Yes. I think well, it's better to be Brian the brain, because when you say brain, then zombies just... That's no, it. A fair They'd point. Feasting on them. Feasting yeah, on them. I'm but always ca- cautious of zombies. Lots hey. of good homebrews to try while we're here. They're actually giving out some awards right now as we yeah. speak, Scott. They're starting to give out awards here. Uh, so we're going to have a good time with it. And as a reminder, the beers of the week are brought to you by our friends at The Nest in Kennesaw, Georgia. Craft beer, barbecue, chicken wings, and occasionally smoked alligators, Brian. Sometimes, yeah. They do that from okay, time to time. My advice for the Amaze Balls beer is wear baggy pants that we know will notice. Wear Wear the baggy pants. Yeah. That's I'm going to end on that because if I got to wear baggy pants to drink a beer, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be right back. Have you been to the Nest Kennesaw yet? Hi, I'm Adam, owner of the Nest in historic downtown Kennesaw, and I want to personally invite you to visit us. With the best damn barbecue in town, 48 taps of always rotating craft beers, a dog-friendly patio, all in two conjoined historical homes, we know there's something for you at the Nest Kennesaw. Find us at thenestkennesaw.com to start drooling over that menu, or go ahead and grab your friends, your family, or just yourself and come on in for a pint. The Nest Kennesaw, can't wait to have you at our table. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to the homebrew competition show peach state brew off we've got brian this is a special treat we're fixing to do we're fixing to do something here. here We have Nate Watkins with us. Nate is the president of the Covert Hop Society, the Homebrew Cup. You know, we didn't get into this um, much uh, initially in the show. Uh, tell us a little bit. Give us the elevator pitch of Covert Hops. How long have you been around? What do you stand for? Sure. And thanks for having me on the show. Sure thing. Covert Hops has been around actually longer than homebrewing has been legal in Georgia. Okay. Uh, wow. Hence the name. 
Uh, we were founded in the 1980s, uh, before, uh, e even before Jimmy Carter had signed the landmark law in 1985 to uh, uh, legalize home brewing. Um, we, we've been around since then. Georgia finally le legalized home brewing. Uh, I don't recall the exact year, but it was sometime in the uh, early 90s. Um, and uh, our club has produced a lot of illustrious alumni that are currently around in the brewing industry. Um, the, the reason that's important is we have continued the craft and continued the culture of homebrewing throughout quite literally many decades and have uh, sort of served as the linchpin for the entire homebrewing uh, community within Georgia throughout all these years, throughout all the ups and downs. We are complemented by a whole lot of clubs across Georgia. I want to give a shout out to uh, um, Savannah Brewers League, MASH, Chicken City Ale Razors, uh, Tree City Mashers, and uh, North Georgia Malt Monkeys for being great partners. Yeah, that's all. We, we used to be used to be the Woodstock Malt Monkeys, and yeah. they, they roped in all of North Georgia there. You know, we know Jay Brantley from PC Mashers Club. And uh, Stephen Pete Kettle Rock, he's That's very right. involved with PC Masters. But, you know, the homebrew and talking about being around so many years and kind of fostering that community and the, the brewers going on to be pro, uh, we'd mentioned when we were talking with Scott, there's just a wealth of knowledge from getting together with everybody. What you don't know, somebody else does. What you know, somebody else can learn. And, uh, you know, it's a good time. And I know we were one of the later places to get homebrewing legalized. And some people may not mention this, but it was even – I think Alabama was like 2016, 2017. Do you know if that's right, Nate? I know it was like really it was late before it, they it actually was late. I don't know the year, but yeah, it was recent. Yeah. And, and they still have some of the same restrictions that we do. Right, right. So it's, I think us, Alabama and Mississippi, we really were chasing the terrible beer laws there for many years. But, but that's not what we're here to talk about, Nate. You're actually going to do something pretty fun that we haven't done on the show before. You recently finished judging the best of show round for Ciders and meats, correct? That is correct. So uh, with, with our competition, we have three main sets of awards. We do have our people's choice. So if you are here at the competition today, we have we invite homebrewers to bring beer and uh, serve it out. And, and it's just a casual competition. We give out a people's choice plaque. We obviously have the beer top three, but then we also uh, score meads and ciders in this competition. This year, we have 14 each, meads and ciders. And we judged each of them uh, as basically their own individual flights. We had a flight of ciders and a flight of meads, and we took the top three of each, and we took them to a best of show. So we had three meads, three ciders, uh, and, th and then we judged them. And uh, fortunately, they were all amazing, amazing uh, products. And being able to judge them next to each other, there was a lot of contrast and a lot of different things that we had to judge on. But overall, we had such a good quality of light that we were really excited. So there were six um, in total. Yeah, like you said, I, I invite you to try them and let Let's me know what you think. You know something that was difficult for me in judging homebrew uh, and probably told me that I didn't – I don't right now want to go to be a BJCP judge because in all honesty, I'm not sure what I – I've got what it takes to be a good judge. When you have really good brewers – and you have a style. We did an Oktoberfest competition with our homebrew club one time. Yeah. And all of our brewers were were pretty good brewers to great brewers. 
So we had eight Oktoberfest beers that are all really good, and we got to pick out which one's the goodest. And it's hard. It's hard. Very hard. When you have eight beers of the same style that are all very well brewed, it's tough to pick the best out of that. So and, and the meats and ciders, they they were along the spectrum. We had sweet meats, we had semi-sweet oh, meats, we had traditional ciders. It, we had everything. Which one typically does better in your judging? The sweet, the sweet meats, or the the drier meats? You know what? I don't think there is a typical. One of the fun things that I really like about judging is there is a lot of appreciation for the basics. One one of my favorite peach state moments was when a Belgian single won the entire competition. And it was just such a well-made because it was a great single. Belgian single, right? Patters okay. beer, yeah. yeah. And the reason that it, that matters for what we're talking about is sometimes it's not what you throw into it, but how well you throw stuff into it that makes a meat or a cider. Um, so in this case, uh, with the cider, you know, you've got your varietal of apples. You've got uh, a lot, and meats and ciders kind of cross each other. Tannins and at acidity really matter a ton. So being able to strike those balances while doing something creative with those is where it matters. Um, in years past, we've we've had all kinds of winners. Some of them were traditional. Some of them were fruited. Some of them were spiced. So so it goes across the spectrum. And to be honest, to you know, to that question, Brian, your your palate shouldn't determine the winner. Your personal preference. And I know sure. I've had judges tell me that that. If I was judging West Coast IPAs, even though I'm personally not a fan of West Coast IPAs, a judge is supposed to know what that style is supposed to taste like and be able to judge on that. Now, naturally, it's going to be easier to judge something you're, you enjoy as given. Sure. And, and with me not liking West Coast IPAs, it's probably unlikely I would be selected to judge them. But uh, I judged Saison Group before because I love Saisons. And it was difficult because I'm like, this one's great. This one's great, but for different reasons. <laughs> this one's also know. very good. And you can go a lot of different directions with it. That's why I'm saying if you put meat together all as one category, there's some good dry meat. There's some really good, uh, you know, sweeter meat. And like trying to, it almost feels like judging apples and oranges. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, yes, they're related, but they're, they're kind of really different, you know? And to an extent, you need to judge it on what they say they entered it on. Uh, oh, one, yeah. one of yes. the meads that yeah. we judged was a trochnik, uh, which is a Polish style mead. And they said that they added pears. It was a little light on the pears. Okay. Okay. I See, expect pears in my pear mead. One of my <laughs> one of my traditions when we talk about homebrew and homebrew competitions that I've been doing this for years is that I smack talk Phil Farrell. Because Phil, for those that don't know, Phil is the brewmaster at Still Fire Brewing here in Georgia. He's also a BJCP Grandmaster Judge. He's like the third. Or he's like third ranked. ranked in the world, right? Yeah, he's way up there. Well, he judged my peach saison and noted that it didn't have enough peach. And <laughs> to this day, I say Phil was wrong. I don't care about your beer sucks, man. That's right. I'm like <laughs> Phil. You need to learn what you're talking about. He's like, Phil. I remember that so, it needed more peaches, more peaches, more peaches. <laughs> I'm but so disappointed. I love the beer trust i do trust phil's assessment of it and and that's the thing talking about brewing for competition you brew for your palate that may not fit exactly that's right what they're looking for in that competition i wanted one brian and i we wanted a beer where we knew that was a saison where the peach came as a, as a complimentary note i entered it in the fruit beer category and he noted you're in the fruit beer category the fruit needs to be more forward Okay, gotcha. That is a fair point. This is honestly, what I want to. Now we're category. we're rambling a little bit much here, and Nate's telling us uh, we don't have a lot of time. 
I know you asked us not to mention the winners. We know the winners, but they haven't been announced at the competition yet. Can I mention the, the ciders that we're drinking here yeah. right now? Okay, so we've got a French cider, a standard French cider. We have a cider with fruit, and it is a elderberry. elderberry. We have a dry hopped with citra cider, and we're sampling a piment. Piment, real quick, Nate. What is the piment? Piment is a mead with fruit. Mead with fruit, Specifically gotcha. wine. A stone fruit mead ah. with Montmorency cherry, and we have a Polish pear. Trzydzkia. 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 Yes, Trzydzkia. Indeed. Tasting, I have tasted the French cider, and not being a huge cider fan myself, I thought that had very good apple notes. Was really good. I've tried the Montmorency cherry. I thought that was extremely tasty as well. So again, this would be a tough one to judge. Indeed, it would be. Nate, thank you so much for sharing here. A little bit of what goes thank on. Thank you for having us. Thanks You're, for being here. Absolutely. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're going to take us a break, and we'll be right back. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout-out to one of our great radio affiliates, Success 105.7, 95.5 FM and 105.7 FM in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Catch Beer Guys Radio on Success 105.7 every Saturday at 3 p.m. and Sunday at 10 a.m., so you get us twice. Now let's get back to the homebrew competition show. And we have a special treat for us. Phil Farrell is with us. Phil, little introduction. You are the brewmaster, co-owner of Still Fire Brewing, correct? Correct. And you are, more importantly for this topic today, a BJCP Grandmaster Beer Judge. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So also, I tell you what, Bill, we're going to start a little simply. Uh, BJCP is one of the uh, organizing certifying bodies for homebrew. Uh, judging homebrew. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe the process to get there? Sure. Um, BJCP is the uh, Beer Judge Certification Program. It's an all-volunteer organization. I used to be the vice president, and I was also a regional rep. Essentially, what happens is people who want to learn how to judge beer, it's all self-organized. So a lot of times it runs through local organizations, local clubs, local breweries, that type of thing. Um, they help certify beers or uh, beer judges, and um, there's a website, uh, www.bjcp.org, where it'll tell you the process of how you would get involved in that. Best thing to do is look up with the uh, Brewers Association, the American Home Brewers Association. They have a, um, a website, and they can show you where the clubs are. And most of the time, the clubs will be the people who organize study sessions and everything and do classes and everything like that to get you involved with homebrewing. And the best way to find out about 
how to be a, a judge would be to go to a competition, a homebrew competition, because those are the ones that happen most most of the time in most localities. There's a few places where they have state fairs where there'll be BJCP judges. And then, of course, there's um, larger competitions um, like the Great American Beer Festival and everything. Right. Where professional beers are judged, and that would be something that would be much more advanced. But the best thing to do is go to a uh, local homebrew competition. Get there, start learning. And I know even if you're not a BJCP judge, a lot of times competitions will have room for people that they that they trust can come in and taste a beer, and they'll – they can pair you up with BJCP judges to help judge certain rounds for certain competitions. Yes, that's, that's correct. The competition determines who judges. And uh, the whole idea is that every beer that's in the competition, somebody made that beer and they want it judged. And so, of course, they want the best judges they can have. So the competitions will, the competition organizer will decide what happens and depending on the person's experience. So, for example, a professional brewer who's really never judged beer before in a competition environment, they would probably have no problem with them being paired up with a BJCP judge and going ahead and judging the beer. Now, if someone is just a hobbyist and really hasn't brewed and chugs some beer on the weekends, yeah, yeah, yeah. they always need volunteers to help out. There's everything from organizing food, um, help out with the beer and everything. And see, if you're at the table, they have a thing that they call a steward. They're the people who act as the firewall between the actual competition and the judges. So one of the hallmarks of uh, BJCP judging is we're always doing blind judging. When I say by blind judging is I have no idea who made the beer. All I know is what category it's entered in. And the competition organizer keeps everything anonymous. The stewards are the people who make sure we never see any identifying information about the beers. So I am judging the beer on the merit of the beer, not on who brewed it or if my friend told me about this great beer they brewed right. or something Watch like that. Watch out for this one, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this way it keeps it very, very um, – the people who win win because they were better than the other beers that were at the competition. And everything. By being a steward, you can watch the judging process. You can see how that's done. You get to taste the beers and find out what the judges found that were wrong. The first thing that happens is you can divide up beers very simply in a competition with beers that are great uh, to drink – and then beers that are stylistically correct for the thing they're entered in. Right. Okay. And what you have to keep in mind is just like a dog at a dog show doesn't care what the what the breed style guidelines are, you know, for the breed. Um, beers don't care what the styles are. The styles are something that are artificially created so you can have a competition. And so everybody agrees. The people who are brewing the beer, the people who organize the contest say, okay, we all agree and there's a whole long list of this is what an American lager is. This is what a Czech lager is. This is what an American IPA is. We all agree on this is what it is. This much alcohol, this color, these types of hops, this strength. You know, so it's all agreed on ahead of time. It's written up as a style guideline. It's an artificiality without a doubt. Sure. You can't have a competition if you don't have rules. So just like trying to judge a dachshund versus a Great Dane, you have to be able to have something to where you divide up the beers by styles and then they judge to that style. And of course the brewers understand that's how it's done. And for the people who don't want to have to deal with styles and everything else, there's all these wild card things where you can take any style and add fruit to it, any fruit and you can have a fruit beer or a spice beer. You can do historical beers that people don't brew anymore. You can do experimental beers that nobody brews. So there are categories for that. If you want to get really creative and do something that nobody's ever done before, you don't think anybody's done it before. You can do that too. But for most of the styles, 
or for most of the categories, it's going to be a style that's recognizable. And the styles that stay recognizable are the ones that people like to drink, they're commercially viable, and that people like to brew. And well, Phil, I got a quick question. This is something I definitely have been bitter about for seven years, and I, oh, no. I haven't complained to you about before in times past. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, a peach saison I entered in a competition years ago, Okay. and it came back to me and it noted not enough peach. Okay. I, I personally thought it was perfect. Okay. <laughs> but question for you. I entered that in the fruit beer category. And relevant to our conversation here, if it was a peach Saison with light notes of peach, yeah. could I have entered that in the Saison category and maybe perform better there than in fruit beer? What you have to do is see, this is where when, even though you're making beer, you have to kind of put on your judge hat. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the classic things is somebody decides to use a non traditional ingredient in a beer and you can't taste it. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm doing an American lager and I decide to, uh, well, I'll use blue corn and then I'll use like uh, buckwheat. Maybe I don't use that much of it or I don't do it very well. I can't taste it in there. So if I told somebody I brewed a beer with buckwheat and blue corn and you can't taste it, they're going to say, well, I can't really taste that. So with a straight up style, if it's not supposed to be fruited, so like a Saison, it's not traditionally brewed with fruit. So you couldn't, even though there'll be fruitiness from the yeast and there may be some fruit notes from the malts used, you can't really say that peach is a signature fruitiness that's in a Saison. Right. So that's where you get into a problem. If the Saison is really good as a Saison, but you taste peach, Everybody be looking at each other going, wow, this is a great Saison, but where's that peach coming from? Did they add peach? Sure. And if it becomes distracting, then you probably get downgraded on that. Now, on the fruit beer side, people air a lot of times where they don't have a good base beer. You can't taste the Saison. It's just like peach juice. And yeah. then they air the other way, like maybe possibly with yours, where you just can't taste the peach that well. And to that note, here's another thing that's a problem. You... Take your beer, you bottle it or can it. You can can it now. And um, all of a sudden, it goes away for out of your control for three or four weeks. And then they have the contest. At that table, when they pour that beer, sure. the peach may have faded. So there's the problem, you know, where it was great four weeks ago. But now at that particular moment, they try it and they go, wow. It's Saison, and if I really, like, squeeze this glass as hard as I can and throw my nose in there, I can kind of sort of smell peach. peach. out of it there, right? Yeah, and that's where that might have fallen down. Okay. The, handl- the handling of the beer is really important in these, in these things, yeah. which is why I think in the big ones, brewers of, like, uh, very popular NEIPAs don't send them in because, you know, they they could fade over time if they're not handled properly. They don't it's have control tough. over it. Yeah. Well, and not only that, not only that, but it's it's one of these things. Even if you get zero dissolved oxygen in there, that helps age the beer, and you keep it cold the whole time, it it can age very quickly. It's just what happens to beer. Phil, I don't know how we did this. We got talking. We're out of time already. I don't no. know how that happened. We've got so much more we could discuss here, but that's all the time we've got. Phil, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. We need to take us a break, but we'll be back right after this. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? 
Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's Tap Room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences, the bomb's lost. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. And now we have a, pay, uh, a Discord server, we right? We do have a Discord yeah. server. You can get Patreon-exclusive access to the discord server hear about the shows that are upcoming give us show suggestions see what we're drinking and just chat with us about beer we're just hanging out on there mo- all just day and all week mostly. really yeah. and uh yeah. hanging out so let's get back to the uh, the homebrew competition show Tim. absolutely phil phil farrell still here with us we uh we didn't cover as much the the clock runs fast at us sometimes phil but to wrap up what you were saying in the last segment i talked about my peach saison and you mentioned fruit beer categories saison categories and getting there uh so good question here. A question for you here. I brewed that beer. I thought the beer was wonderful. I enjoyed drinking that beer. But it's easy that you can get a beer that maybe you personally really enjoy drinking, but it doesn't fall directly into, say, a competition style. Correct? Correct. That happens sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's I've heard uh, brewers, even at the professional level at GABF, they'll say, you know, people love their beers, but what they specifically do may not fall directly into a style. And so it becomes a little tricky if they don't fall directly into where they're judging. Yeah. And again, it's not a secret. So the style guidelines are published. And if you want to make your beer stronger or weaker or add flavors that aren't supposed to be right. there, that's okay. There's no problem with that. But for purposes of a competition, everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music. And you, nobody makes you enter a beer, so you can say, okay, I choose not to enter a beer in that category because I'm not going to brew it that way, and that's Understood. fine. Sure. And the style guidelines are kind of, especially the Brewers Association, they literally look at what the market is doing, and they write the style guidelines around what the market's doing. They're always rewriting them if the market changes. Like, you know, 10 years ago, there was no such thing as a hazy, hazy IPA, right? right? That's yeah. true. There's that's no true. such thing. And then all these new hop varieties came out and people started making the, quote, milkshake IPAs. Then they called them New England IPAs and they called them hazy IPAs. It's, it's yeah, just what cold IPA, it, yeah, brewed IPA. Yeah. Is it worth, if you're questioning whether or not you should put something into, like, you're not sure how well it adheres to the style guidelines, is it worth just saying, what the heck, I'm going to put it into, this, into the competition and see what's, set, what's being said? Or if you think there's no chance it could win, should you just not do it? Should you just keep it and drink it yourself? I would... Keep it and drink it myself if there's no chance it's going to win because, you know, trying to sneak one by the goaltender isn't going to work. Now, if it's close, remember, styles change because the brewers change and people's tastes change. So it might be one of those things where you're on the edge and it's a good style to be kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. And maybe you'll do well. And also, once again, like we were talking about before, beers age at different rates. So some beers, if they fade just a little bit, that might be right in the wheelhouse that it needs to be after a couple of weeks of just sitting around. So something to keep in mind. I'll throw in real quick, Phil, this beer I was talking about, the Peach Saison. I got a gold medal for it at a competition like a month later. So it was, it's one that, uh, and again, I really enjoyed it, but I know I've talked to several brewers and and on the flip side of that coin, Phil, actually I'm going to hold on that. If someone wants to be a beer judge, Phil, 
And they're going from just being a passionate home brewer, brewer to seriously pursuing becoming a judge. What are some suggestions you have for them? Okay. Once again, brewing helps. You'll have to get into the books and start doing some reading. The Beer Judge Certification Program, they've got everything online, all the study guides and stuff you need to do. The first thing you're going to have to do in order to take the exam in person is you have to take an online exam. It's a time test. It'll test you on beer judge rules. It'll test you on flaws, beer flaws. It'll test you on style, gui- you know, style guidelines and you know, style issues and things like that. And it's in a study guide. It gives you all the questions ahead of time. It's true, false, multiple choice. It's a time test. And the problem with the test that most people have is they didn't study enough because they'll get online and most of the people, it's just pass fail. And most of the people who fail it don't answer enough questions to have passed the oh, test. Okay, they gotcha. spend too much time thinking. They have like, you know, they're not sure it's one or the other and they don't put an answer. And they'll even leave true false questions blank and they'll read the question, waste time and then move on. If they don't know, just put an answer down and move on, mark it and say, I'll go back and I'll check it again type of thing. Okay. And part of that is a little bit of the studying. There's a little bit of testitis that goes on. People have trouble taking tests. That's, I understand that. But the, the people who um, pass it, that allows them now to take a time test that they're going to be taking in person with uh, certified beer judges. And what they do is it simulates a competition. They give you six beers to judge in 90 minutes, and you fill out a sheet like you're at a contest. And virtually everybody who's studied and who has done any tasting and or brewing will pass that, and that allow them to be a beer judge if they put the time in. If they don't put any time in, they will have a problem. But if you've been to a few competitions, seen how the score sheets are filled out, know the process, and you know the styles and everything, you've tasted beer before, you should have no problem taking that. How long did it take you, I'm curious, to get to be a grandmaster at this? Because that's that's pretty significant. You're like ranked, like you're like, Number three, or you're in the top. No, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the top four? ten. Some people have passed me. Um, along Something the way. exciting just happened. So I think he was talking about him being a grandmaster. Yeah. Yeah, everybody was, was excited. Everybody, yeah. was, everybody was screaming. But um, yeah, we have we have a beer judge program, and then we have certifications for mead and cider. So I've gotten my mead certification. I've got my cider certification. But on the beer judge side, we actually have ranks. So everything's. Uh, what's cool about the BJCP is it's it's based on both book. Book, fancy book learning, so you have to test and show a certain level of knowledge. But then on the other side, you um, have to actually get experience. So no matter how well you score on the test, if you don't get experience points by actually judging beer in competitions, you'll never progress in ranks. And on the other side, you could be the most experienced person, but if you don't have the knowledge, you'll never rise up in the ranks. So it works out pretty well. And that one test I was telling you about, that timed one that right. you do, that allows you to take the in-person written test, um, you know, where you're judging six beers. Once you take that, theoretically, you never have to take another one if you don't want to advance past the rank of certified judge. And that's up to you. You can be a recognized judge and the next rank is certified, and you can stay there and judge beer competitions because you're a certified BJCP judge, and that's great. If you want to go higher in the ranks, well, then you'll have to take another exam and show both tasting and written performance. So there'll be two exams you'll have to take, depending on what your scores are. And then you can move up higher to a national judge, then master judge, and then grandmaster judge. That's something. And, and as I mentioned, we were talking to Nate Watkins earlier. Judging beer is not easy, especially if you're in a competition like your your best of show rounds, and you've got beers that are all good examples 
of their style. Yeah. You know, you get these similarities that make it difficult sometimes to pick out you yeah. know, who absolutely nailed it. The other thing, too, is experience helps out a lot. Uh, the first time I ever had to do a best of show style thing, I was it was tough because you're sitting there and you're thinking through all these styles. And, you know, we are not uh, proud people. We specifically pull out the style guidelines to look at them because we owe that to the people who enter the competition that we're going to follow the style guidelines that they drew to. Nobody ever sits there and says, oh, yeah, I have it all memorized. Don't even start quoting styles or anything like that. I'm going to pull it out because I owe it to the person who entered that competition. I was going to ask you if you'd ever been stumped by one, but if you could pull out the style guy, then you wouldn't really be stumped. No, yeah. No. yeah. Okay. Like today we were judging needs, and if anybody tells you every single honey, varietal honey that's ever been you know, produced by bees, they know exactly not only what it smells and tastes like, but how it would be in a mead. They're lying to you. I don't know anybody who has that type of experience. You yeah. Know? yeah. So if somebody declares it a varietal honey in their mead, I'm going to look it up and see, okay, what are the, you know, the signatures of that? Is it a mild honey? And the funny thing about honeys are it's almost like, uh, without getting too political, it's almost like legislation that comes out of Congress. Like today we had a uh, coconut blossom honey. It turns out even though it's made from coconut blossoms and there's certain places where coconuts are where the bees do that, tastes nothing like coconuts. No coconut, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, then, but you have to read that to find that out. You know, right. your first impression would be, what's coconut blossom? You would think must so. have some coconut character. Nope. Now, Phil, as a home brewer, you've entered a home brew competition. You've been judged. You get your score sheets back. As a brewer, what do you do with that? How does that help you going forward? Okay, well, home brewers, when they look at a score sheet, it's like when people look at a menu in a restaurant, they look at the price first. So the first thing they do of is course. they look at the score. Look at that score. Yeah. And if it's a great score, well, then the judge was a genius. Yeah. And if it's a uh, if it's a bad score, then they're kind of going, okay, what went wrong? Then they start reading the words and everything. And so a lot of it has to do with there's only two mistakes you can make in a homebrew competition. You can make a brewing flaw where the beer is flawed in some way where it's not a good beer. And the other one is a stylistic flaw. So a stylistic flaw would be something that, okay, it's a – American lager, and you put roasted barley in there, so the, the thing is brown, and it, it tastes like coffee. Well, that's not what an American lager tastes right. like. It was just a, a totally stylistic error that's, like, unforgivable that the judges would have to call you on. It's just not right. Plausible. Learn where you flawed, improve, take that, and yes, learn and improve from there. Phil, thanks again. We really appreciate you joining and sharing your knowledge today. Thank you so much, Tim. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week for more craft beer fun. We wanted to announce... The winner's on the show, but the contest is run a little long. So we'll post Indeed, those yes. in the show notes. Y'all have a good week. For more craft beer info, follow us on the socials. Beer Guys Radio, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in. Drink local. Cheers.